This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, June 12th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle, and if it's Friday, you know it's Jonah Booker on the Bucknuts Morning 5. So welcome into J-Book. We're going to answer questions from the listeners on today's show. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of these questions. The first question is from Karzai2. Basically, J-Book, he wants to know the level of interest in football in the Phoenix area because he's from the West Coast as well, and a lot of people he's saying like where he lives – it's just college football is not a big deal. I think it's like a regional sport. They even think it's like a Southern sport. What is the interest in the Valley of the Sun in college football? Yeah, it's nowhere close um, as far as interest level that you would see back in the Midwest or the South. Out here in Phoenix, if you turn on the sports radio station, you will hear a lot of talk about um, pro football, the, the Cardinals and the NFL in general, way more than what you would hear from actual college about college football. And it's, it's interesting because one of the, one of my thoughts that I always had was there has to be some type of market out here, you know, for, for college football, because if you look at ASU um, football under Herm Edwards, they're, they're starting to build a little bit of momentum there. If you look, if you go to some of the ASU games, they have a fairly decent crowd, uh, following there, but the, as far as the general public here, I, it, it's funny because I see way more Ohio State fans out here than I actually do Arizona State fans. Now, granted, Arizona State. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, Arizona State has a, a very large uh, student body enrollment, but when it comes to diehard college football, if you're on the highway, I'll see more Ohio State little locals on the back of people's cars, and then. During the season, you'll see a lot of Ohio State flags waving at, on people's houses and on people's cars. So I, it, it maybe it's just me noticing Ohio State, you know, being a, a fan and, and covering the team and, or whatnot. But you don't have a, a bar on a Saturday during game day where there's three to 500 people packed in there to watch an ASU game like you do an Ohio State game. I imagine the Sun Devils, as much as I love them with Herm Edwards and campus is great. I always love Sun Devil Stadium. I imagine they haven't sold 44,000 season tickets like Ohio State has. I love how crazy Ohio State fans are. They're not even sure if there's going to be fans in the stands. I think there will be. But the fact they've sold 44,000 season tickets already is amazing. Last year at this time, they sold around 50,000. So barely a drop from last year to this year in season ticket sales of Ohio State. I love it. Next question, Jay Book comes from Doc. Doc basically wants to know, could Donovan Jackson be an offensive tackle and not an offensive guard? He's six foot four. You know, he reminds me a little bit of, of Jamarco Jones as far as his body type. So I, I guess he could. 
What are your thoughts on that, Jay Book? Yeah, I think it would be contingent on how he looks against competition at the next level, meaning at college, because he's 6'4". Will he continue to grow? If he gets up there, then it's going to be something that you have to, uh, I think, give him a shot, especially if you miss some of the guys that you're targeting as far as the true offensive tackles in this class here. Um, but with that being said, he, he is on the shorter side, um, 6'4 right now. I'm not sure how his length, and that's a major criteria when it comes to offense alignment, is their length. Will they be able to kick out there and get and engage on people? I think he has a shot, but I don't know what his hand placement and footwork technique, if it's going to be precise enough at the next level in order to be able to um, be put out there on an the island. The one, the one thing about him is his strength is being a just an absolute junkyard dog in the middle there. And I think that's why Ohio State and a lot of recruiting services like him as a guard because once he engages on someone and he's able to really lock horns, then he's going to bulldog people. And that's some of his strength there. And I think with Ohio State, you know, looking to be a power football running uh, program. His style of play fits really well as the offensive guard. Next question comes from P Counts. He wants to know, Jay Book, basically, does Ohio State ever bank scholarships? So for the listeners out there, let's say Ohio State feels like they got 26 spots if they can find the right guys. But they've got 25 that they like. They don't want to reach on a 26th. Does Ohio State ever bank a scholarship for the next year, Jay Book? Yeah, I think every program does that. I mean, uh, if you – if you look at Ohio State, and we've had it on the message board numerous times, as well as in the in the boarding house, they've had kids that have wanted to commit that a lot of schools would really take right now and in a heartbeat. And Ohio State has, you know, several times throughout the years, it happens every year, they have to hold off on guys committing. Um, if you if you look at the you know, the last several years, that's been the case even under Urban Meyer where guys were being slow played here. People didn't know if they actually had a committable offer or not. Um, so I think it's just contingent on if they want to fill a spot for depth or if they want to bank a spot. And I think it happens at every program because the thing about Ohio State, and if you talk to them, they're recruiting guys who they feel should be NFL-type prospects. And the, the question you have to ask is if this guy is a true um, reach here, especially with the, with the lack of uh, – with the NCAA allowing guys to transfer kind of at will here, if this guy doesn't see the field in three years, what type of contribution will he make on the program? Will he be a guy that's going to leave the program to go play somewhere else? Uh, or, or will he stick it out or will he see the field? So those are the type of internal questions that every program in America has. Next question comes from Buckeye8484. This is about Jay Book bullying his opponents when he was a high school football player. For those who don't know, Jay Book was a high school football player at Portsmouth and was a college football player at Ohio University. Buckeye8484 says, Jay Book, I played against you in high school. He was at Portsmouth West. You were at Portsmouth. His junior year, you guys beat him 63 to nothing. That's pretty mean of you, Jay Book. He wants to know about Akia Brown. Akia Brown ran over Buckeye 84-84 several times. He thinks he could have played for any high-level D1 school. Is he overrating him? If he had the grades and support he needed, could he have been a big-time college back? Tell us about Akia Brown. 
that's funny that you know he brought that guy up because um, you know he was a heck of a running back. And I I'll tell you just a quick story on him. He could have played anywhere on the big time level. One, he didn't have the grades, and two, his senior year in high school, he had a kid. He had it. He had an offer on the table from Notre Dame, and once they found out that. He had a kid. They actually pulled the offer. Um, he had several big time um, offers there. He had Nebraska offers. He got serious looks from Ohio State at the time with uh, when John Cooper was there. Um, so he had a lot of big time offers. And I can remember I was a year younger than him. And uh, a lot of the coaches that would visit the school, which would be on a regular basis, they would come in want to talk to him, talk to a couple of us guys who they felt were D1 prospect, but a lot of the major big time teams, Michigan State at the time uh, was really hard on him. Uh, they, they really wanted this kid, but once he had a kid um, his senior year in high school and with the combination of his grades not being as good as they should have been because of the, the, the support that he wasn't really getting at, at home at the time, he decided to stay closer to home and he went and played for Marshall University where he eventually um, ended up quitting the team because he had uh, another kid after that with the same gal. So he's a guy that I look at and everybody has it. They know someone who was a major talent um, in their high school, a guy who really could have played big time ball, but just didn't have everything put together. They had a lot of uh, outside influences and extenuating factors that kind of prevented them from reaching their goals. Next two questions comes from Buckeyes and Spurs. That's a good combination right there. If you're a Buckeye fan and you're a San Antonio Spurs fan, you're, you've been loving life. Maybe the only thing better would be Buckeyes and Chicago Bulls. That's right, Spurs. We got you. Six titles to five. I don't want to hear you Celtics and Lakers. I don't even know what you're talking about. His first question, Buckeyes and Spurs, wants to know, we'll both tackle this. You can go first, Jay Book. He wants to know, are breakout stars on offense and defense this year for the Buckeyes? What do you got, Jay Book? Yeah, for offense, I'm throwing uh, Jamison Juice Williams out there, the wide receiver. Uh, I think he is a kid that is electric. He's probably one of the, the fastest kids on the roster. I know everybody wants to talk about Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, obviously, because they're uber talented. But I think Juice Williams is going to be a kid that's going to be a home run hitter. He has that high-end speed that once he gets that next level, he gets a step on someone. Like they say, you know, at, at that level, if we're even, I'm leaving. And I think if Juice Williams is even with someone and Justin Fields throws that ball out there, he is going to accelerate and he's going to be a big-time playmaker for this offense. And then on the defense, um, I just think Zach Harrison is going to be the one who's going to be the next household name. Uh, if you look at him, he had a, I think he had a really productive freshman year. He was playing in a limited role, but when he played, he flashed. Now he's going to be the guy that everybody's going to look at to be that premier pass rusher to carry the torch from the Bosa's to the Chase Youngs and so on. So I think Zach Harrison is going to be the one who's going to really emerge on the national stage this year. Yeah, on offense, I took guys like – you know, Trey Sermon out of the mix. So I'm going with on offense, breakout player is going to be Jeremy Ruckert, the highest rated tight end Ohio State has ever recruited. And he really came on last year, even though he didn't get a lot of balls thrown to him when he did, he, he made plays. And I think they're going to use him more this year. They're going to, you know, they like their two tight end sets. And I think they're going to use him in the slot. 
obviously they're going to use Garrett Wilson a lot in the slot. That's another guy I took off the table because that wouldn't really be fair. Garrett Wilson was a stud as a true freshman. So Ruckert is my guy on offense. On defense, I had three guys written down. I had the aforementioned Zach Harrison, Sack Harrison as we like to call him. I also had another defensive end, Tyreek Smith, written down. But the guy I'm going to go with is Seven Banks. I keep hearing from everybody, sources, players, parents, Seven Banks is – this is his time. He's the real deal. So I'm going to go with Seven Banks as the breakout player on defense. And, again, this – you know, we can't understate this, Jay Book. He's now wearing the number seven, which should have happened originally. But Seven Banks now wearing the number seven. And the, the number seven for Ohio State, the lineage of number seven, all joking aside, is fantastic. So – not that that really has anything to do with seven banks breaking out this year, but it can't hurt. So I'm going with seven banks as my breakout player on defense. All right. Next question from Buckeyes and Spurs. He couldn't remember where Ohio state's defense was ranked last year, but he knew it was a top five defense. He wants to know if it can be a top 10 defense this year. Well, Buckeyes and Spurs, I will let you know, Ohio state's defense finished number one in the country in total defense last year, number one in the country. And I'll let Jay book go second on this one. I'll just say, yes, they, can be a top 10 defense and they better be I don't think they're going to be number one again but with, I think the offense is going to be better this year for the Buckeyes they better have a top 10 defense and I think they will Jay Book what do you think will the Buckeyes have a top 10 defense this year absolutely I think they will have a top 10 defense um, and you know we always talk about comparison and expectations and my expectations for Ohio State never change it's extremely high and the reason for that is is because of the talent that is recruited um Ohio State has top to bottom one of the most talented rosters um and and I don't take that for granted because we Ohio State has had top to bottom talent for years and even under Urban Meyer the defense did not live up to the expectation even though you had NFL players all over the rosters but I think with Ryan Day what he wants to do as far as what he wants his defense to look like it creates an opportunity for his guys to really make plays and get their hands on the football uh Kerry Combs is it's going to be a huge challenge for him to to follow in the footsteps of halfway because that defense was humming last year but I have all the faith in the world with with Combs he really got his uh feet wet in the NFL learned a lot from Mike Brabel the defense will be fast it will be nasty and it will get after people um how good they're going to be it, it I think they're going to be ahead of uh, early on they're going to be ahead of you know a lot of teams as far as offense because you have to think Ohio State has their entire linebacking core pretty much back besides Malik Harrison so you have a lot of those veterans and you have a lot of those younger guys who've been in the program so your harder your defense is back you have talent on the defensive line this might be one of the deepest defensive tackle units that we've seen in years even though the younger guys on the back end uh, are kind of green I think with the with the way the Hall State's going to call this defense and I think with the talent up front they'll be okay top 10 absolutely uh, if they can really get it going and catch the, catch momentum and start playing with the hair on fire, they can be pushing for that top five defense again. <laughs> I'm with you, man. And if they finish top five in defense, look out, because this offense is going to be even better than what it was last year, and it was one of the top offenses in the country. Last question on the show comes from Bucks Grad. Jay Book, what position will Denzel Burke play? For those who don't know out there listening, Denzel Burke is a commitment in Ohio State's 2021 recruiting class, the number one recruiting class in the country. He's listed as an athlete. Where do you think he'll play, Jay? Do you think he'll be a corner, wide receiver? Where do you see him playing? I think, 
Yeah, I think he's going to be a corner. Uh, I've seen interviews where he said, uh, you know, he's willing to play wherever the coaches want him to play, but he he would like to get a crack at the cornerback position. And I I just think right now in the way Ohio State's recruiting the wide wide receiver position under Heartline, they're recruiting um, natural wide receivers. And in the past, you would see guys who were quarterbacks or guys who were running backs being moved to wide receiver. And the progression was really slowed down because it was such a steep learning curve. Now, the way these guys are playing 707, they have private instructors. What you're seeing is top end guys who are natural wide receivers in your uh, Emeka Ibuka and your Julian Fleming, your Guy Scott Jr., and your, your JSN. All of these guys are just natural wide receivers. And I think with this kid um, coming out from Arizona, Chaparral, who's probably about five miles from my house, I think he's going to be a corner because that's where they're going to actually need him uh, with the defense that they're trying to run. They're trying to load up at that cornerback position. So I see him making an impact there more so than what he would be at a wide receiver where I think the learning curve would be a whole lot steeper for him on that side of the ball. Whereas on the defense, he can just use his guy given talent and just ball out. Great knowledge as always from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book. And thank you to all listeners out there for tuning in the show. I really appreciate it. If you're listening on Apple podcasts and you like the show, give us a five-star review. It really helps. If you're listening on YouTube and you like the show, subscribe. It really helps and we appreciate it. Thanks again to Jay Book and thank to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.